0: Everybody. welcome to another episode of classic gaming brothers i'm zach
1: and i'm seth
0: and we're the classic gaming brothers
1: that's right we are the classic gaming brothers
0: we are we are we yes. are
1: the classic gaming Brothers. you know what i was thinking about while what we were thinking were about turning on our mics and getting everything ready yeah and however we do this in our imaginary studio, all right i guess our real studio But Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's (laughs) not imaginary.
0: There are real walls here.
1: About different podcasts and how they sometimes you know you're listening to podcasts and people are already talking and it's just like you're just tuning into their conversation. Yeah, I just like that. I just I didn't maybe we
0: should we we do that now? Should we be like? Should we start everything off like we've already. Like we're like, oh go. Hey, what's up? Hey, nice to see you here. Welcome to this episode. We've been talking for hours. <laughs> we
1: for hours. I don't know if I could tolerate you for that long.
0: Uh, anyway. Well, we're we're not a we're not a normal podcast, I would say.
1: I would say we're actually we're pretty standard podcast. We're just a couple of normal guys.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's I think that's more accurate.
1: So, Zach. Yes, Seth. What have you been normally been playing lately? What have I normally
0: been playing lately? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's one way to word it.
1: Uh, Just trying to be punny.
0: Haven't been abnormally playing anything. (laughs) Is that when you play it upside down? Yeah, it's like I flip the controller upside down and...
1: (laughs) You play with your feet? (laughs) Gross. It's like, uh, what is it? The uh, Tricky Style. and uh, Tricky Style. Yeah, yeah. In, uh, in like 1080.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was, or Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I was thinking.
1: Oh, yeah. I was thinking 1080. The obscure snowboarding game for the N64.
0: I have not been playing 1080. <laughs> it's, it's unfortunate. You should It's <laughs> unfortunate. I, I actually should pick. I'm probably going to pick up a copy of 1080 now because I want to play it. Anyway, I have been recently playing a, another bootleg game because that's what I do best. I've been playing Pokemon Yellow, produced and published by Shenzhen Nanjing Technology Company likely around 2004. There's no like specific date, it's just widely assumed it came out around that time because it's uh based on previous versions of these D-made Pokemon games for the Famicom that were out at the same time so some of the code I think is shared between another game and that game came out around 2004 so this game probably came out sometime in 2004. Anyway this is a, uh, a demake of sorts of Pokemon Yellow for the Game Boy 2 the Nintendo Famicom produced and created by Shenzhen Nanjing which I've talked about briefly when I talked about playing the Warcraft bootleg RPG that Shenzhen Nanjing produced. While it's called Pokemon Yellow it's actually kind of a combination Of Fire Red, Leaf Green, and Pokemon Yellow. So it has some design elements and gameplay mechanics that are taken from Fire Red, but it also kind of incorporates the layout and stuff of Pokemon Yellow and some of the graphics from Pokemon Yellow. I actually will say, despite the fact I can't read any Chinese, um, I'm actually really enjoying myself with it. The game plays really smoothly for a bootleg RPG game. The controls are what you'd expect from a Pokemon game. I mean, you're not like doing a lot of platforming and stuff, you're moving up and down but the different things that you can do in the game are pretty much identical to what you'd expect from Pokemon so like the attack is in the same place as it is on the Game Boy so I know where to press to get the attack uh, for your Pokemon and you know you capture Pokemon with Pokeballs and you walk around you you grind and it seems like the, the balance of the RPG system is a little better than what I played in that Warcraft game where it, it feels like the fights are a bit more fair and they don't take forever to play through so it feels like they actually put some effort into making this game feel accurate to the Pokemon games which I think is commendable there is actually an English version of the game that was the game was translated by fans and actually slightly improved by fans they fixed some of the uh, various glitches and stuff that you can encounter but I have been playing an original cartridge that I got recently from a seller that I met online and he provided me with a boxed in box copy of the Shenzhen Nanjing release from around 2004 ish. And it is of dubious quality when it comes to the quality of the plastic. The cartridge feels like I could shatter it if I squeezed a little too hard. But uh I mean, such as games of that time period from China. So it's kind of what you'd come to expect, but it does work perfectly.
1: I mean, anything could shatter if you squeeze it hard enough.
0: That's true. Uh, I just mean, like, compared to a legitimate Famicom game or even a bootleg Famicom game from the 90s, there's a definite quality dip in cartridge plastics it almost feels like you would what you'd get from like a 3d printer but like cheaper than that it's just this like off feeling plastic so they must have switched whatever they were using for plastics probably to something that was more affordable and that's why it ultimately
1: feels cheaper But it's completely in Chinese?
0: Yes, this version is completely in Chinese.
1: How far have you gotten in the game?
0: Uh, Just about to the first gym. So I'm still just trying to level up my Pokemon so I can
1: go through the first gym. I guess if you know the story, you really don't need to be able to read.
0: Yeah, and like you can kind of piece it together. I mean, like the opening of the game, you wander around your town and when you try to leave, the professor comes up and he says something to you, which you can infer to be like, don't leave, I need to show you something. And he takes you to the Pokemon lab and he gives you a pokemon it's pikachu because it's pokemon yellow and then this other guy who's there which you can infer is your rival will be like i'm going to challenge you now and you go into the fight and you beat him and then he gets grumpy what is funny is that because the game has some glitches and stuff in it after you beat your rival for the first time in the original game he like walks out and there's like dramatic music that plays while he's walking out in this game he just vanishes so he's standing there and then one second later he's just gone (laughs) so it's like maybe he could teleport
1: it's like ah my rival's been nightcrawler this entire time
0: yeah uh but yeah i mean uh, another thing is because these games uh, like 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 you said because you can kind of figure out pokemon the, the story you can just kind of piece together and you gotta figure out what you're doing without really translation i i have pulled out my phone a couple of times just to double check menu items so like when i stopped playing the game i wanted to double check to see if there was a save function because i did notice when i was looking at the cart there is a, uh, a cell battery inside of it so i was like oh i think you can save and sure enough there is a save option that you can click and it will say saving game and then if i turn the system off and turned it back on put the cartridge back in my save retained so oh, it did it does That's it good. does actually actually allow you to save the game wherever the, you, you are.
1: were you were definitely setting that up for a failure like and then it was gone
0: <laughs> yes no actually all all of the games that i received because i got a couple of games from this the seller all of the games i've received uh had save functions in them which is also unique for bootlegs because uh you know ha- adding that battery is extra money basically <laughs> you know right. a lot of times bootleg games would come up with ways to avoid adding the battery such as adding like a level select or something but uh this has has a battery function which is uh useful i don't know how good the battery is it was in there when i bought the game but uh it it does seem to be held in using a standard battery cell holder so i think i can just like pop it out and replace it with any any cell battery that fits i think they're just like the quarter sized is R 235 or something like that but yeah yeah that's what i've been playing uh what about you seth what have you been playing
1: well i have been playing a game that i think was on our byway pass that i ended up getting for free Well, I didn't get it for free. I got it through Humble Bundle because that's a service. So I paid them an amount, and they gave me a bunch of games. One of the games they gave me was Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. Hey! Uh, It was developed by Woodosity and Fairplay Labs and published by Game Mill Entertainment and was released October 5th of 2021, which was just a few months ago uh, at the time of this recording. Well, I guess more than a few now several months ago it's a uh, i'm gonna say kind of a meh game uh so it's a follow-up to the nickelodeon super brawl game which came out and was more of a street fighter style game with the one-on-one combat and uh-huh. nickelodeon all-star brawl as evident by its name brawl is a super smash Brothers style combat that does make sense Yeah. So I played it with my Xbox controller. It's kind of like I was playing it. I thought it was fun, but like not like a ton of fun. Like it was entertaining in the moment. The issues I had was more so when you're playing a Brawl type Super Smash Brothers game, you're going to just kind of think about comparing it to best in class. And it's very difficult to play a game that is not Super Smash Brothers and be like, this is as much fun as I'm having while playing Super Smash Brothers. Because let's be honest, like if I wanted to play a brawl game, I'm just going to go play Super Smash Brothers. I'm not going to play the Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, regardless of what characters they put into it. The game overall is just not as tight as a Super Smash Brothers game. However, they do have one of my favorite characters in it that is from a show that i never really watched and that's the powdered toast man from the ren and stimpy show so i never really watched ren and stimpy i don't particularly even really like the ren and stimpy show but i really like powdered toast man because he has like a big toast on his face kind of looks like he feels the mascot for like that cereal French toast crunch. So then I feel like I'm playing like a cereal mascot brawler game. and that oh, may that be a would game be dead that dead. I've that would be so good. <laughs> That would be something I would actually really enjoy. Yeah, I wish that was a thing. (laughs) Like Captain Crunch fighting like Trix the Rabbit fighting. Oh man, we got to hit up General Mills. Then you get Chex Quest
0: in it. Like you get like the Chex Warrior.
1: The Chex Warrior. You can do Trix Rabbit. You can have a Powdered Toast Man representing the French Toast Crunch guy, which is... I don't even... Anyway, that's none of those people are in this game. But you do get like the SpongeBob SquarePants people. Hey Arnold people. Rugrats. You get to play as Reptar, which is always fun. Nigel Thornberry from The Wild Thornberries. Garfield from Garfield. And then they they have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I never really associated with Nickelodeon, but I guess...
0: They are Nickelodeon property. One of the more recent shows aired on Nickelodeon.
1: Right. I But I think it was an acquisition after I was a child.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, Garfield was an acquisition, like, within the last, like, 10 years, I think.
1: Yeah, for me, Garfield is a Sunday newspaper comic, right? So, for me, I don't particularly care where he lives in the (laughs) Aether. I like Garfield. I just, like, if he's owned by Nickelodeon or WB or whatever, fine. Like, I don't particularly care. But the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were decidedly Warner Brothers property.
0: Is Nickelodeon Warner Brothers? No, Nickelodeon's Viacom.
1: But they were Warner Brothers, weren't
0: they? Wasn't the original first movie Warner Brothers?
1: Let me look it up.
0: No, New Line. But New Line is a subsidiary of Warner. So
1: Yeah, it was Warner Brothers. So like for me, growing up, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was like Warner Brothers. So now being Nickelodeon is just very strange. Because Nickelodeon is uh, owned ultimately by Viacom. Long story short, it's just weird for me to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in... A Nickelodeon game.
0: No, I agree. It is kind of weird because, I mean, even though I grew up with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at a different time than Seth, I don't associate them with Nickelodeon either. It is just very weird having, like, quintessential Nickelodeon characters like Helga Pataki and, like, Invader Zim in something with, like, Leonardo.
1: And... In Nickelodeon All-Star, there's only two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So if you like Donatello or Raphael, too bad. Don't ask me. I, I don't I'm not in charge of licensing the appropriate characters here. But anyway, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. Eh. If you really love Nickelodeon properties and you want to play as like a real monsters, like Oblina... I don't even think you could play Zicus, but you know, and you could fight Reptar. Like that's pretty much it. But don't expect like Tommy Pickles.
0: So today we are talking about today's topic, which is uh, we're gonna kind of start to get into the the Disney Afternoon games. So we'll we'll first talk about what the Disney Afternoon was uh, for those of you who are actually like my age who didn't really grow up with the disney afternoon um uh, and, and aren't seth's age who, who did but we're also going to talk specifically about our experience playing one of the games in the disney afternoon uh series i guess you could say which was tailspin so uh seth do you have any memories specific of the various disney afternoon games they were a lot they were all based on disney afternoon
1: properties yeah so i i remember the DuckTales games and I remember the Tailspin games. Tailspin obviously because we owned it and DuckTales I'm sure I played it. I have memories of playing it and the thing that I remember from the DuckTail games was uh, Scrooge being able to pogo stick on his cane. And then I've had countless memories of the Tailspin game. Tailspin has the honor of being one of the, one of the few games that I beat as a child. <laughs> and I was really excited about being able to... Uh, to beat That's tailspin a good, it's a
0: good feeling to beat a game
1: yeah i don't do it often
0: even if it's tailspin
1: hey it's still a tough game
0: uh, my memories are primarily tailspin i played ducktales and like rescue rangers later but i m- remember playing tailspin as a kid um, because we had the Sega Genesis version, which was great. Um, and and someday we'll probably do more of a focus on games like DuckTales and such. Not in today's episode, because that's not how Classic Gaming Brothers roll. We're going to focus on the obscure one, which is uh, specifically Tailspin for the Sega Genesis. It's not
1: obscure.
0: But it's not like, it hasn't been re-released. <laughs> Whereas like the because NES it was. was... All,
1: it was Because it was a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, you'll need to release it <laughs> you, once. you don't need to re-release a masterpiece.
0: But I guess the, The million-dollar question is, before we talk about the games, is what was the Disney afternoon?
1: Right. Now, since the dawn of television, kids have loved watching cartoons. And Disney, being primarily a company that made content for children, capitalized this in the 1980s. In 1989, towards the end of the year, two Disney-branded cartoons were offered in syndication, DuckTales and Chippendale Rescue Rangers and in 1990 both shows uh, DuckTales and Chippendale uh, Rescue Rangers were began to air uh, in a programming block that was called the Disney Afternoon along with Gummy Bears Tailspin and later Darkwing Duck so this is when you know Disney would take over a block in a programming segment market it as a continuous entertainment package for children and hope that they can grab that child for that entire time and then you can also sell to advertisers saying like hey you know we've got kids attentions for two hours now the animation block consisted of two hours on weekdays in the late afternoon early evening on various channels and later on both Disney Channel and Toon Disney the block aired from 1990 to 1997 under the name the Disney Afternoon and then they officially closed the block in 1999 beyond the shows previously mentioned other titles that aired would go on to be Goof Troop Aladdin bonkers gargoyles timon and pumbaa the snookums quack pack and mighty ducks
0: i always got really frustrated with mighty ducks because i liked the cartoon a lot and then sometimes the disney channel would be like oh we're gonna air mighty ducks the movie and i was like oh man i love that cartoon and then the movie would air and it's the live action movie about a hockey team <laughs> and it's not the cartoon where it's ducks fighting crime <laughs> but they were also on a hockey team
1: yeah they were a hockey duck team they're a hockey duck team yeah had,
0: had nothing to do with the movie besides the name they were the mighty ducks
1: they really like ducks though like disney likes ducks you have the mighty ducks. You yeah, have Darkwing yeah. Duck, and you have like the Ducktales. So like, yeah, and Quack Pack. And are they all the same Duck universe? <laughs>
0: uh, so I know Darkwing Duck and Ducktales are because Launchpad is in both. Right. Because Launchpad, right. who is the pilot in Ducktales, becomes like the personal oh, assistant yeah. to Darkwing he's, Duck.
1: No, he's like his. He's just his everyman. He's his Alfred.
0: Now the shows in the original block, as they were part of syndication also aired on other networks as that's kind of the point of of syndication And, and these would be networks outside of what became disney channel and toon disney so they were airing on various fox affiliates and other channels however they were soon removed from fox affiliates due to the fact that disney decided to move the block to their own stations because disney had purchased a television station that would become the disney channel and when disney decided to move the block to their own station they broke a contract that they had signed when they entered syndication. Barry Diller, the COO of Fox at the time, not only decided that he would pull DuckTales from Fox and Fox-owned stations, he also lobbied other networks to do the same. Fox would later create Fox Kids, which was their own animation block, which, funny enough, would then become owned by Disney because Disney purchased Fox Family Worldwide in 2001, which
1: contained all the assets sets of fox kits the recent 21st century purchase of fox which disney did a few years ago was just the culmination of Disney buying parts of Fox. As yeah, things they've, went they've along. been grabbing
0: at Fox since forever.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting. However, you move something into syndication to sell it, right? So Disney oh, yeah. was a content creation house. So they would create things such as movies and shows, and they had an animation studio. Like they had a powerhouse of content creation. However, until they had the Disney Channel, which was newer in the 90s, they had to. Show left their content in syndication to other stations, which is where yeah. you would watch Disney animation on Fox channels. And that's how I remember my early childhood. And then I remembered the Disney Channel... Being coming a thing and then a lot of the content moving over to the disney channel uh, and as disney would want right if they have their own channel they need to fill it with stuff so they're just going to pull everything out of syndication
0: yeah and then they eventually moved some stuff to uh tune disney which was on extended cable which we didn't have in 1996 with the rise of other various children-centric television stations from cable networks uh, such as cartoon network and nickelodeon disney and their television arm buena vista would establish a partnership with kellogg's everyone's favorite strange cereal company the partnership was internally known as the disney kellogg alliance which is so boring sounding by 1997 the block had dropped the name the disney afternoon and also became a half hour shorter in 1999 the block officially ended as it was replaced with the new two-hour disney's one two block which had other cartoons that disney was now showing but outside of the ones that we know of as the disney afternoon
1: Now, along with this animation block, various video games were released based on the titles that were shown, which include DuckTales 1989, Chippendale Rescue Ranger in 1990, Tailspin in 1991 and 92 for the Sega version, and Darkwing Duck in 1992, and so on. The games that were released on various Nintendo systems were all primarily developed by Capcom, with Sega titles often being worked by Sega in-house. Well, Zach and I were a Sega household, as everyone who listens to this podcast knows, and if you didn't know, now you know. We're going to talk about t- t- the salesman for the Sega Genesis, because we don't move in any particular order. You know, I would say if we were if we were not an abnormal podcast, we would start with DuckTales, since that was first. But, no. You'll have to no. wait weeks for DuckTales to come <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah,
0: we're, we're going to talk about the one that no one remembers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and nobody cares about.
0: Yeah, so Tailspin was a 1992 Sega Genesis game developed by Sega and a division of theirs known as Interactive Designs. The game was based on the show of the same name. Now, the show Tailspin was based on the movie The Jungle Book, but in a very loose sort of way. Basically, Tailspin is the question, what if the characters from The Jungle Book were also bush pilots in a diesel punk universe where humans don't exist? <laughs> We don't know that humans don't exist. No, they don't, because the cities are all animals.
1: We don't know if humans ever existed.
0: Oh yeah, the animals took over. (laughs) Well, the moment animals start learning how to fly airplanes, I think humans were doomed. The show is set in what appears to be an alternate 1930s during the waning days of the Great Depression in the fictional city of Cape Suzette, based on San Francisco. The story centered around the pilot- Baloo, a bear, who started an air cargo freight business called Baloo's Air Service. Baloo is bad with money and defaults on all his bills. Due to being bad at money and in bad favor with the bank, which the bank is run by the tiger sher Khan, Baloo's business is taken over by another bear named rebecca cunningham and baloo kind of falls into like a depression and you first meet him at a bar
1: (laughs) this is a children's show (laughs) he's like let me have a couple more of these brewskis kit and then we'll get the split
0: on the road (laughs) the new business higher for higher Well, the first hire spelled h-i-g-h-e-r for h-i-r-e uh often finds blue shuttling cargo to various locations with the help of a young grizzly bear named kit cloud kicker along the way they must avoid conflict with the air pirate don carnage um and also they have to deal with the fact that like Sher khan who owns the bank is also just a bad guy like he owns the bank but he's also evil <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well he's Sher khan so he's an evil bank and a most bank people are evil.
0: But he's like, especially evil. Like, I'm pretty sure he works with Don Carnage sometimes.
1: <laughs> uh, what's the relationship between Kit Cloud Kicker and Baloo?
0: I w- rewatched the first episode of Tailspin recently. Kit stole stuff from Don Carnage,
1: uh. showed
0: up at the bar that Baloo was at, and was like, that guy's trying to kidnap me and pointed at like some random pirates. And Baloo's like, that's not good. And then Kit just like goes on Baloo's airplane now.
1: <laughs> oh, so they're just like friends a- adjacent because... 'Cause they're they yeah. both don't like Don Carnage.
0: Yeah, because Kit's a thief and Baloo doesn't care.
1: And and Don Carnage is a is a wolf
0: yes yeah he's a he's a wolf i thought he was a fox but he is a wolf
1: he's like a foxish wolf
0: yeah he's maybe he's a like a combination
1: and i also just like that they all wear clothes as well
0: yeah yeah they all wear clothes like share kind of wears a suit
1: and Baloo just does he just wear like a jacket <laughs> he doesn't wear pants <laughs> everyone <laughs> else wears pants <laughs> everyone else wears pants i wonder how much <laughs> i wonder how much smuggling was going on <laughs> oh so much now, the game tale spin primarily focuses on Baloo and Kit. Throughout the game, you must travel around to collect various pieces of lost cargo, as well as fight various air pirates in Don Carnage's gang and the game is split into two forms of gameplay. The main game consists of you playing as either Baloo or Kit and walking around the level finding the cargo. Between the stages, you take flight in Baloo's Sea Duck and you fight Don Carnage's pirates as they attack. These portions of the game are played like arcade shooters, similar to Gradius. If you play as Baloo, you can control the Sea Duck directly. If you play as Kit, You surf behind the plane. So I recently played Tailspin. The game can be split into two players where one person plays as Baloo and one person plays a Kip. And it has a fall mechanics and whoever is in the the lead will auto jump to wherever if they fall behind. And it's also time-based. Essentially, Rebecca has to fill the order of X number of crates within so many days. So you're... Incentivized to progress through the levels as fast as you can, and then when you go to the shoot 'em up levels where you fly as the plane, if you take enough damage, you'll either crash, but you may also lose cargo. Cargo may fall out, and you have to recapture it. There are also bosses after every um, stage, so they're in the bank, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah, they are in the bank. They're all in the bank. Sometimes the bank is destroyed.
0: Yeah, you go to the bank and the bosses are just there and there's like tellers in the background that are just like filing.
1: I just remember the first guy, he's like this like beagle and he's got a magnet. He's got this gigantic magnet that shoots like this like metal thing out and like latches you to bring you forward to him. Yeah. And there's also like a riff, just like a gigantic hole in the middle of the bank. Where the bosses leap out of? And that's how they... Oh, because maybe they're robbing the bank.
0: They might be robbing the bank.
1: They're probably robbing the bank. (laughs) Now, thinking about this game, after have played it for 20 some odd years, they were probably robbing the bank. That's where the hole came from. I always just assumed that there was just a gigantic hole in the bank. And the second boss was like this green, really abnormally thin guy who shot these little ball bearings, and they were really annoying and bounced everywhere, and I hated it
0: he looks like a, like a like a weasel he might be a, he might be a weasel
1: a green weasel so when you play as blue you fly the sea duck directly that's fine and you can shoot which is great when you play as kit you fly behind the sea duck and you vaguely control the play
0: yeah yeah it's like I think your character will move first and then the plane will like list lazily in the direction you moved
1: it's so tough it's easier to play the platform sections with kit kit's just an all-round better platform character uh you get a shoot longer you have a slingshot for a weapon, but it makes the flight section so much harder, and since the flight section is so important to progressing in the game, if you're playing by yourself, you just, like, have to play as Baloo, who has, like, a stupid paddle ball for his weapon yeah
0: yeah he's also i think like slower and stuff in regards to the the gameplay of the actual like platforming sections the, there are slight differences uh, kit is smaller and faster and as seth alluded to he fires a slingshot which is long range Blue is slower taller so he has a higher hitbox and uses a paddle ball which is not long range so you have to get close to people to fight pretty much all of the enemies have some form of projectile or just will just immediately attack you the closer you get so playing Baloo is just like a disaster <laughs> in regards to uh, and normally Seth will do the numbers and he's going to talk about numbers for some of the other games but in terms of reception uh and numbers of tailspin I have really looked <laughs> but I had trouble finding them but uh what I did see was that the game had a pretty moderate review of a uh, 75 out of 100 in computer and video games magazine which was a, a British magazine and it also described the game and as i quote an attractive package which sadly lacks substance there was an nes version of tailspin uh, released in 1991 and there was another version released for the game boy that was nearly identical to the nes version these are entirely different versions of tailspin Uh, these were made by capcom and are set entirely as scrolling shooters where you control the sea duck and fight pirates. Uh, And this version was included in the Disney Afternoon collection in 2017, which was a collection of Disney Afternoon games for the PC, PS4, and
1: Xbox One. To kind of structure the game before we wrap up with the numbers in regards to the Disney Afternoon collection, there's eight platforming levels that are done up into different locations in the world, starting with a jungle. It's really the Jungle Book. Jungle is where you start off in, and then you go to the Lost City, which I believe is another like Disney location, but there's like gangsters that are there. Then you go to Italy, Greece, Egypt, India, and then New York, in San Francisco. Then, after you beat San Francisco, it is all shoot 'em up levels until the end of the game. So, you go San Francisco as a shoot 'em up level, then you go into Pirate's Cave, which is a shoot 'em up level, and then you have your encounter with Iron Claw, which is a shoot 'em up level. If you're playing as Kit and you got the stupid computer as Blue, it's gonna be rough go at the end. And then at the end, if you successfully def- get everything, it's like an animated pixel of Baloo and Kit standing at the edge of the dock of Hire for Hire. And there's just balloons that go up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It looks very silly. They don't have any expression on their face. They're just very just the deadpan staring at the camera while they like breathe. And the, the balloons like go up across the, the rest of the sky. So that's a little bit more on Tailspin. Other games outside of Tailspin from the Disney Afternoon Collection did all really well. DuckTales was a commercial success for Capcom, selling 1.67 million copies for the NES and 1.43 million for the Game Boy version. Chippendale Rescue Rangers for the NES sold 1.2 million copies and was also a commercial success for Capcom. A remake of DuckTales was released in 2013, delisted on digital storefronts on 2019, and relisted in 2020. Uh, The remake plays similarly to the original game, but has updated hand-drawn sprites and 3D levels. However, from what I know of it, if you just play the original, it's probably going to be just a very similar experience.
0: Personally, I think the original is better, but... Yeah,
1: that's what I've also heard, is the original is better. DuckTales, Rescue Rangers, the NES Tales... Darkwing Duck, Duck DuckTales 2 and Rescue Rangers 2 were all included uh, in the 2017 Disney Afternoon collection as well which is available on
0: Steam and it's a great collection if you uh, don't really feel like finding copies of these games irl and want to um, spend a little money to buy an official version of the games uh it's a great option to have i think it is available on switch it might be the disney afternoon collection the price alone is probably good enough for ducktales and ducktales 2 legitimate copies nes copies of ducktales and ducktales 2 can range ducktales is a bit more of a common game but the price has gone up as all classic games have ducktales 2 will set you back like 500 to 600 dollars on a good day (laughs) so so uh, it, is, uh, it is a sought-after and very rare game uh, because it was very low quantities when it was released. But that's a story for another time because, as I said, Seth and I will someday talk. Probably we'll do an episode focused on DuckTales, maybe do an episode on Rescue Rangers. Anyway, that will do it for our Disney Afternoon collection Tailspin segment. We're going to get into talking about our buy weight passes. Seth, since I went first... I'm going to go first again. This game.
1: I got to start paying attention.
0: This game, Seth, is a game that is kind of related to the games we've talked about today. Because it's being developed by a company who we've referred to a couple of times now. That company is Capcom. This is a game where it is time to throw hands, drop gems, cast spells, and crush robots. This is a game that features 10 iconic games online play for all 10 games, as well as additional features, including a gallery of official art, a music player with soundtracks, and much, much more. Are you interested? Sure. This is the Capcom Fighting Collection.
1: Cool. Let's look it up real quick. And we'll be right back. Welcome back.
0: We're back, we're back, we're back.
1: So the Capcom Fighting Collection, which is coming out June 24th of 2022, is going to be on Steam, PS4, Switch, and uh, Xbox One. It's probably going to be also on the newer systems as well, I assume. It's coming along with uh, Darkstalkers, Night Warriors, Vampire Savior, Hunter... Vampire Hunter 2, Vampire Survivor 2, Red Earth, Cyberbots, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, Hyper Street Fighter 2, and Super Gem Fighter mini Mix, And they are having some new features to enhance the experience, some useful settings to make it easy for new and returning players to join the fun. These are all arcade versions of the games where you can... Um, But you can also battle online with them now or offline. Um, But these are all arcade versions of their games that they are bringing together in a collection. So it's not these games that were ported getting bundled together. It's the arcade versions being bundled together officially. Which I think is actually pretty cool. I like arcade fighting games. I don't know if I like them enough to get 10 of them. (laughs) but I know my wife really enjoys Darkstalkers. I'm gonna put this down as a wait. We'll see what's going on in June. So I'm gonna put that down as a wait. I'll keep an eye out for it. Cyberbots looks like a pretty cool game to play. I do like one-on-one fighting games. I like I said though, I don't. I just don't know if I like 10 one on one-on-one fighting games. So yeah, we'll put it down. They'll put it down as a wait. Zach, for you, I have a game that's gonna be. Easy at first and then get harder as we move along. Okay. It's one where you're going to need to think inside the box and really use your brain to kind of solve problems as you explore a, a deep system of puzzles, as it were. Okay. The game is Patrick's Parabox, which is being developed by Patrick Trainer and due out. Um, it just came out March 29th, 2022.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, So we'll be right back as I take a look at this game. we're back. So Patrick's Pear is a a game, as Seth mentioned, being uh, developed and published by Patrick Trainer, and just came out. And it looks very very neat. I like the art style a lot. When I first saw it, I actually got kind of a flashback to Thomas Was Alone, which is a platformer. But this is not a platformer. This is a puzzle game. And it's actually a Sokoban game. And it's kind of a unique twist on a Sokoban game. In Sokoban games, you push blocks to solve puzzles. And usually you can only push them in uh, four directions. So if you you can push them up, down, left, or right, you can't really push them diagonally. In this game, you'll have like smaller puzzles inside of the puzzles. So you'll push a, a block like you would in Sokoban up against a wall. And then when you push on it again, you'll enter that block into a smaller Sokoban puzzle. And you just, it keeps going down. And I like that. And I guess that's why it is a recursive puzzle game because it is Sokoban puzzles all the way down. I'm really into that. I'm going to put it down as a weight tentative box because I I do see there's a demo available so I'm going to download the demo and give it a shot and uh, we'll we'll try it out from there but I I do like Sokoban games a lot I'm a big fan of Chip's Challenge so I will put this game down as a wait tentative buy
1: alright folks thanks for joining us on this wonderful journey through our our childhood and talking about Tailspin probably one of the greatest games that we played on the Sega Genesis so if you are interested in uh, contacting the Classic Gaming Brothers you can always send us an email at classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com you can also head on to our website and fill out a contact form Uh, you can also follow us on our social medias our facebook our instagram and our twitch are all at classicgamingbrothers and our twitter is cgbrotherspod where we talk about releasing all of our episodes which come out on sunday give us a follow a rating and likes all on all those things and go ahead and give us a rating on our itunes platform or in our wherever our agent that you're listening to the podcast we always appreciate that and that's gonna be everything did i miss anything
0: don't play games like my brother
1: and don't play games like my brother i've been zach
0: and i've been seth we've been the classic gaming brothers that's all we ain't tailspin tailspin